Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you here this morning. My name is Tim Park. I serve as our lead pastor. And uh, whenever we see faces as pastors, whenever we see faces on a holiday weekend, we're always happy. And so thank you for being here. We also know that many of our church families are traveling. And thank you for joining us online if you're there, online from wherever you are as well. If this is your first time visiting our church, a special welcome to you, and we trust that you will be encouraged by your visit today. If you were with us last Sunday, you know that we shared that today is Pastor Luke's final Sunday with us. And this is a sad Sunday for us because whenever part of our church family moves on, it, it, it affects us. And Pastor Luke's impact at our church has been deep and it's been wide. And uh, we're so thankful for how God has ministered to so many of us through Pastor Luke over the last 15 years. Pastor Luke arrived as a college student. He then went on to uh, become a children's ministry intern for a season. And then he led our young adults emerge. And then he became our pastor of discipleship. And then, of course, He's been our associate pastor for the last number of years. And I'll miss Pastor Luke. We work closely together. We've served together. We've collaborated on so much together. I'll miss our conversations about sermon series. You know, we've collaborated on all these series over the years. And um, our staff and leaders, they've worked closely with Pastor Luke. And so we're going to miss him dearly. And I know that so many of you here today your lives have been impacted by his ministry. Uh, he's been involved with so much. You know, our rooted ministry would not be where it is today without the investment and the passion and the love that Pastor Luke has shown for our rooted ministry. He oversees our life groups and so much more. And so we're going to miss him. I want to invite Pastor Luke up here, and I want to pray for him before he opens God's word. Can we thank God for Pastor Luke as he comes up here? In a moment, Pastor Luke's going to share a message entitled, The Lord Will Provide. And I always appreciate uh, when I sit there and listen to Pastor Luke teach, and it's inspiring, it's, uh, it's challenging, it helps us to focus our eyes on Jesus. So I trust that today, as he shares his final message, that we will be blessed. And I want to take a moment to pray for you, Luke as you open God's word. Father, we thank you for your church, and we thank you for friends. We thank you for the last 15 years and how you've loved our church and impacted our church through Luke. Thank you for his ministries. Thank you for his many, many years of faithful service here at our church. And Father, as he opens your word one final time this morning, 
God, would you open our hearts as we listen to your words. Help us to to focus our eyes on Jesus, to want to be like Jesus, to look like him, talk like him, and walk like him. So use Luke in this time as he opens your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've been trying not to get emotional, but you guys are testing me. (laughs) And um, I didn't know Pastor Tim was going to say so many nice things about me, so that felt very warm and fuzzy inside. Um, But one thing he said really stood out to me when he mentioned that God did some things through me, because if God has done anything useful or good through me, it was certainly God, and he deserves and gets all the glory. So the question that we're looking at this morning is, why should we worship God? It's been said that you will worship something. As a human being, you are hardwired to be in awe of something, something bigger and greater than yourself. But why God? If you turn on the radio, you'll hear people singing passionately about so many amazing things in life. You'll hear them singing about romance, money, power, fame, nature, friendships, inner peace. The list goes on and on and on. And when there are so many amazing elements of this life that we should sing about, because they're awesome, many of them. Why should we worship God? Why should our awe of God be so much greater than our awe of anything else in life? That it can only truly be said of us that we worship God and God alone. The answer, of course, is because God is the greatest. God is amazing. He's so much, so much greater than anything else that we can't even wrap our minds around how great God is. And so why should we worship God? Because Who else are you going to worship? All of the amazing things in life, whether it's relationships or travel or money, he made all of those things. And they are but a tiny little reflection of his intelligence, power, creativity, Why should we worship God? Because we can ask the question, why should I worship God? Because we have a brain in our head that allows us to ask deep philosophical questions. A brain that nobody understands how it works, really. Much less the God who created it. Why should we worship God? Because no one else is more worthy of our worship. 
Because God is so much greater, so far above and beyond what we can even think or imagine that to worship anything else or anyone else would be a sin. That's why we worship God. We're going to be in Psalm 145 this morning. Psalm 145. And um, we'll start reading right at the beginning in verse 1. And as we start reading here in verse 1, see if you can hear for yourself how we worship God because he's the greatest. It says this, starting in verse 1. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. So this psalmist says, I'm going to exalt God. I'm going to praise him forever and ever, every day. And then he says, why? He says, because God is great. In fact, he says, great is the Lord. His greatness no one can fathom. He's so great. That one generation who sees how great he is tells the next generation what they've come to realize. That of all the amazing things in life, none of them are as amazing as God. And you should worship him and him alone every day of your life. That's what we do. We pass this knowledge of our great God on to the next generation. Perhaps even when we're feeling anxious because our boss has given us a new assignment at work. And it's more than we can chew, but we're going to fake it till we make it because that's what you do when your boss gives you a big assignment at work. And even though you've come home for the evening, your chest is still tight because you're still not sure how you're going to pull it all together. But even so, you go into your kid's bedroom, you tuck them in at night, and you tell them something about God. You say, kids, did you know that before this world even existed, God existed? He's spirit. He's not part of this physical universe. He always has been, and he always will be there. And before this world was made, he was complete. 
He had everything he needed. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three members of the triune God in perfect loving harmony and community with one another. And you say, kids, isn't God amazing? Isn't God great? Or perhaps it's when you're feeling hopeless because your spouse has been out of work for a few months and your emergency savings is dwindling ever lower. And as you sit there with the bills and bank statements and savings accounts and charts on the kitchen table with the kids crying in the background, you can't help but feel a sense of doom, a sense of hopelessness. But then it's six o'clock and you're a volunteer in the junior high ministry so you get in the car, you drive to E-Free Church, and you say to the junior high kids over there in the landing, kids, do you realize that God created this world? That he spoke, and the word of God went forth, and the spirit of God painted the forests, and the oceans, and the fish, the sun, shone forth, the wind began to blow, the clouds, they billowed, and then God made the crown of all creation. From the dust of the earth, he breathed humanity out. And then you say, kids, isn't God amazing? Isn't God great? Or maybe it's when you're sitting in a church service like this one, bored out of your mind of the things of God as the preacher who's perhaps older than you drones on and on and on. And he hasn't mentioned TikTok or YouTube even once as you drift in and out of consciousness because you're falling asleep. But then the older man says something that catches your attention. He says, church, do you realize that no sooner was our relationship with God severed in the Garden of Eden did God promise to restore us to him forever. He spoke first to the serpent and he said, the seed of the woman will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And he was foreshadowing the fact that God would send his own son into the world, born of the woman who would crush the plans of Satan to keep us separated from God forever that he would die on the cross in the process, but he would rise from the dead. And in his life, we would have life with God forevermore. And as you sit there, you can't help but feel this sense of awe run through your body as you think to yourself, wow, isn't God amazing? Isn't God great? Or perhaps, it's just when you're sad, grieving because your t 
teenage daughter has left for the first time to go off to college. And she's only been gone a few weeks, but you already miss her. And you wonder if she's eating her vegetables. But even so, in your sadness, you sit down at the dinner table with your family that evening, and you're happy to tell them something you read about in your quiet time that morning. You say, did you guys um, know? I read this morning about how God called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob about how he used Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. But behind them came their pursuers, the Egyptian army. God opened the Red Sea for them, and they crossed it on dry ground. But when the soldiers from Egypt crossed, the Red Sea closed up and swallowed them. And you say, isn't God amazing. Isn't God great? And it's so important for us to see how great God is and to tell the next generation about how great he is because it reminds us that he's still great and he's still doing amazing things. He wasn't just great when the characters of the Bible were anxiously trying to solve a problem. He wasn't just great when the psalmists cried out in hopelessness and despair. He wasn't just great when the characters of the Bible found themselves in grief. But he's great even now, even today, as he helps you sort through your anxious project at work. He's great even now when he helps you in your hopeless moments to pay the bills and to find the path forward. And he's great even today in so many ways. I heard a story this past week. Someone shared a story with me about something great that God did recently in Southern California. I heard the story of a woman who pulled up to an abortion clinic and parked. She was there to have a scheduled abortion. But what this young woman didn't know was that there was also a missionary in that parking lot who was praying and waiting. Smiling, she ran over to the young woman's car who lowered her window just a little bit. I don't know why you're here. But if you've missed your menstrual cycle, your baby has a beating heart, 10 fingers, 10 toes, and I can go with you right now to see, what she, to see what they look like. They kept talking. And instead of going in to have her scheduled abortion, instead they went and had, oh, I'm forgetting the word again, ultrasound, thank you, where she saw her baby for the first time. And upon seeing her baby, she said, I knew in that moment that I was keeping it. The missionary tells this story with tears in her eyes because she had an abortion herself when she was a young woman. And she tried to have a baby since, but was unsuccessful. 
And so this was a precious moment, she said to the woman, more, worth more than any money in the world or anything she could ever have to be there in that moment. But it doesn't stop there. Because this organization that the missionary is a part of called Love Life, they, oh wait, actually I should tell you first before we get there, she said to the woman, tomorrow's Good Friday, it was Thursday, would you like to come to church with me on Easter morning? And the young woman said, sure. So on Easter morning, they went to a church in Chino Hills nearby. And at the end of the service, when the pastor invited people to trust in Jesus who don't know him, this young woman stood up and gave her life to Jesus. But God wasn't finished yet because that organization, Love Life, that the missionary was part of, they threw a massive baby, uh, sorry, gender reveal party, got to get the story straight, for her, with giant rockets shooting out pink, uh, what do you call it? Confetti. You guys are preaching the sermon today. <laughs> but it didn't stop there, because they threw her a baby shower, where they gave her everything she might possibly need to raise this baby girl, but it didn't stop there. Because this organization gives women in her position everything they could need physically, emotionally, spiritually to raise their child. And then they celebrate every birthday of the child with a massive party and celebration and cake and prayers and gifts. But it doesn't stop there. Because one day this new mother with her young child, received a phone call. The same man who had been with her when she became pregnant was now, had been with someone else, and she was pregnant. And that woman called her and said, I'm going to get an abortion. Wait, the first woman said. There's other options. I'm coming over. And she told her about love life and the support and love that she'd received, and a second baby was saved. But it doesn't stop there. Because this uh, new mother currently serves now with Love Life as one of the counselors, meeting women regularly who are on their way to have abortions to tell them that there's other options, and she is living proof. To date, this one organization has helped save 300 babies who are going to be aborted. And to date, and to date, this organization has seen 300 people come to church and give their lives to Christ. But that's not all, because this past week, just by chance, I met two of the Love Life missionaries who shared this woman's incredible story with me. And one of them told me that they had also had an abortion and found God's amazing grace and now serves in this wonderful ministry. And so God is doing great things. God has done great things. And even in our anxious, hopeless, 
saddest moments, God is still great. And God is still working. And one of the ways that he works, one of the ways that he's so great, is that he provides for us. He gives us everything we need in life. He's our provider. And we know that, even though we know it doesn't always feel that way. It doesn't always feel like he's our faithful provider when we've been praying for a job for months and we're still unemployed. It doesn't always feel like he's our provider when our health is slipping away and we're seeking treatment and praying for recovery, but it just slips further and further away. Doesn't seem like he's our provider when we pray for God to heal a broken relationship, but the other person's heart remains cold. And yet we know that even in those moments when God seems like anything but provider, that he is, in fact, providing for us. Even then, it's just that we can't always understand how. Let's look at the next, another verse. We're going to skip down to verse 15. And it's in a larger theme in this psalm about God's goodness. But listen how in verse 15, we learn that we should worship God because he is our provider. It says this in verse 15. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. So he basically says, God is the one feeding you, which we kind of know. That's why we thank the Lord for the food before we eat. But then he goes on to say, and he feeds everything else too. Every little lizard and bird and worm, I guess. But of course, we know that's not the only thing God provides us for. We know that the Bible teaches that actually everything, everything we need for life and godliness, as Peter puts it, is provided for us by God. And the verse in the Bible where God is actually called the Lord will provide explicitly is in Genesis chapter 22. It's when God tells Abraham to sacrifice his only son who he loves. And what does Abraham do? He obeys. He takes his son and some servants and they travel to a mountain that God leads him to. And as they're making their way up to the top of the mountain, Isaac says to his dad, Dad, uh, he's, Isaac's carrying the wood on his back, by the way. Dad, we have the wood and we have the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide the lamb. They walk to the place Abraham builds this altar for the burnt offering. He then lays the wood on it, binds his son, Isaac, ties him up, places him on the altar, 
and takes the knife to sacrifice his son. And it's in that moment, it says, where God tells him to stop and reveals that this was only a test. Abraham looks, and there's a ram caught in a thicket, which Abraham then removes his son and sacrifices the ram, and that's where we get God's name because Abraham says, this mountain will be called, the Lord will provide. And the Lord has provided, hasn't he? Just like Abraham said, the Lord will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. Well, he did. He sent his own son, his only son, who he loves into the world as this story was foreshadowing. And he allowed him to willingly be sacrificed on a hill, not sparing him. But he was the last sacrifice that would ever be needed because he was the sacrifice of the God-man for the sins of all humanity. And he rose from the dead, guaranteeing us new life in him, with him forever. And so, does God provide? Oh, yes. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul takes it home for us by saying something I want to read to you so I don't misquote it. In verse 32, he touches on this theme of God's provision through Jesus, and he says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? In other words, if God has already given you the greatest thing that he could possibly give you himself through his son, then why do you even doubt in your most anxious, hopeless, saddest moments of life that even there in the darkness, God is still providing. He is giving you exactly what you need to bring you closer to him than you would, uh, would be otherwise. He is, as we will one day realize when we look back from the perspective of eternity, working all things together for our good. That doesn't mean that we don't keep seeking improvement in our health. It doesn't mean that we don't keep praying for that relationship to be restored or to find the job. It just means that even in the waiting, even in the process, in the heartache, we don't have to question if even there, 
God is providing for us exactly what we need for our highest good and his greatest glory. And even though we won't see exactly how it was all for our good until we reach glory, I think you would agree that sometimes God seems to give us little glimpses into the way that he uses everything, even our hardest, darkest moments, to bless us and bring us closer to him. I remember exactly where I was standing on this church campus when I got a phone call from my brother, and he said, I just got fired from my job. And I was shocked, because he'd only been there for two weeks. And it had been this huge transition, you know, transitioning from one job that he'd been at for a long time to another job because he wants to provide for his family. And then, gone, two weeks in. So that's why I remember exactly where I was standing. And after he after he told me the story in a couple of minutes, and we're about to hang up, I thought, oh, I should probably say something spiritual. Because, you know, we're both Christians. I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm at a church right now. So I said, God is in control. He's got you right where he wants you. And my brother gave the obligatory, yeah, I know and hung up the phone. He turned around and took about 10 steps in the other direction over to a, a swing set where his wife was talking to a stranger while they're pushing their kids on the swing. And he reaches out his hand and he meets his new boss. The guy says, your wife just told me the whole story. I'd like to, I'd like to hire you. Not only is this a much better job than the previous one he just got let go of in every way. Not only does it propel him into a whole new career field that he's able to provide for his family with, but he gets to share Jesus with his new boss, who's lost and spiritually hungry almost every day while they work together like this, oftentimes praying over him. God knew what he was doing. And even though my heart wasn't fully in it, he was in control. And he had my brother exactly where he was supposed to be. And so whether we don't feel like it's, we feel like it's maybe been a few more than 10 steps till it's all started to make sense in our lives. Well, I guess we can remember that whether it's soon or long. In one way, all of life is kind of like 10 short steps. And whether we're on the mountain top high, the valley low, or the boredom in between, crying out to God for provision, may we remember that he who did not spare his own son, but already gave you himself, will not hold back from you anything that you need for life and godliness, to grow closer to him and to do the mission he has for you while you're here. When I think about why, why do we, or sorry, why should we worship God? And I think about all the songs on the radio that you could hear. 
songs about money and sex and fame and friendship and nature. I also think about one song that you also might hear on the radio. It's a worship song where the artist sings about how God is amazing, about how he's better than anything else in this world. And I'd like to read the lyrics of this song to you. It goes like this. It says, all the money that the world could hold, mountains made of solid gold, riches that could buy my dreams, you are better than all these things. The prettiest face to turn their eyes, beauty that could hypnotize, the open doors that looks may bring, you are better than all these things. Your love is better than life. You are the well that won't run dry. I have tasted and I have seen. Oh, you are better than all these things. Power that could shake the moon. Most important one in every room. Status matched by only kings. You are better than all these things. Your love is better than life. You are the well that won't run dry. I have tasted and I have seen you are better than all these things. Being liked and loved by everyone, approval that outshines the sun, cheered by all who think of me, you are better than all these things. You are better. Oh, you're better. Better than I can imagine. Will you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Dear God, it really seems too good to be true, and perhaps that's why some of us struggle with it, to believe that you have, in fact, given us yourself, the most precious gift that could possibly be given, and you did it for free. God, it's true, and we thank you so much for sending us your son, Jesus, and uniting us to you through faith in him. We ask, Lord, that we simply wouldn't settle for anything less, that we wouldn't get caught up chasing money, children, fame, fortune, anything, Lord, but that we would worship you and you alone and find that life and peace and freedom, God, that comes when we are fully yours in our hearts. And we just pray, God, that as we conclude our service, that you would be honored in our singing, and as we take communion, Lord, as well, that our hearts would be drawn near to you through that practice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Luke. <laughs>